0: As I was um, thinking about this message, came up in mind is, is an issue and something that the church is kind of going through right now in the world today, and um, it's kind of a decision we all as a church need to make is, are we going to believe that faith is for today? That healing is for today? That, that financial prosperity is for today? That salvation, in general, is for today? And it's kind of hard to hear and hard to it's hard to embrace when you hear that people don't believe that God is a healer, that God is good all the time, that sometimes, but then they actually believe that he sometimes does things to teach people, and I don't blame these people for what they believe, because it's, obviously I think it's a, it's a result of the times, and kind of as a result of teaching, a lack of teaching. The times, I mean, we think about how nowadays everything is so instant. If I don't get it now, then is it worth my time? And I think that's bled over into our beliefs where if I don't receive my healing now, then God must not be a healer. If I don't receive my financial prosperity now, then God must not want me to be financially prosperous. Maybe I should just be humble. But that doesn't seem to be what the Bible says at all. And in fact, what people are missing is that faith is a walk, a race, if anything. And in a race, there's multiple areas, multiple facets, right? There's a finish line, there's a start, there's some rules involved, and then there's also endurance that you need. You need to endure through it. We need to build that. And what people miss is that just like a cramp while you're running, So is doubt when you're trying to believe God. It's going to stunt your growth. It's going to stunt your race. So we're going to talk about doubt, this part of faith today, all right? So let's go to Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 22. I'm choosing this um, scripture because it's a faith scripture, not because my name's in it. (laughs) Maybe both. I don't know. (laughs) All right. All right. You know, before I say this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story. Um, while I was at Rama, my second year, I was, I was working at a warehouse down, down in the area. And while I was there, you, while you're working at a warehouse, it's just, just manual like hand labor stuff. So, you get a lot of time to talk to people. And I was very well known as a Rama student in that group. Rama was pretty well known in the area. And what happens usually is you get, dis- get into discussions with people about the Bible, which usually is a good thing, right? Well, sometimes it doesn't turn out so well. And I had this one situation with um, one of my coworkers, workers who was a Christian, um, but he was, from a, he, was, he was from a Baptist church in the area, and he wanted to talk about divine healing. And... Um, we would, we would talk about the Word a little bit, but it, the more I kept pressing on, I'd, show him, I'd tell him scriptures that the Word em- emphasizes that God is a healer. He would keep bringing up his experience with his mother, how she was a Christian who was really strong in her faith, but died of an illness. And I can't believe that God is a healer because He didn't heal my mother. And that's hard. That is a hard thing to deal with, but I'm sorry, I still can't compromise the gospel for a situation. Situations don't trump God's word. And the more I kept talking to him, the more I kept sharing the scriptures with him, the angrier he got. It, It was hard, but the more I realized is that his situation in life, the situation he was dealing with was more true to him than the word of God. And here let's why don't we re- let's read the scripture all right so let's do Mark 11:22 and 23 So Jesus answered and said to them have faith in God for assuredly I say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatsoever he says That's pretty strong and Jesus starts off by saying, have faith in God. And he's talking to the disciples, but that's also to us, the church, right? We are, we are part of this promise, right? So that means, and showing that Jesus said that you can have faith in God, him saying have it, doesn't that mean that we are possible, it's possible for us to have faith in God? The, and truly, in the, in the original Greek, that means the God kind of faith. Sorry, God's a healer. So I can I, So that, that's true to me. I have to look at this. But here's here's the deal: the, these two scriptures. If you look, read further in 24, which we won't go, these are both really key faith scriptures in the in the word, in our in our church. These scriptures teeter on one phrase, and it's hidden right in verse 23. And does not doubt in his heart. Doubt does start in the mind, but what it does is infect the heart, and that's harder to find, that's harder to deal with. And according to Romans, we know that with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That means the the heart is where we believe and we trust in our relationship with God. Our righteousness is our position with God. So if our Heart is infected with doubt, then we doubt our position with God. We're not we're not believing God for things because we can't, we don't know who we are in Him at this point. So we got We got to grow in this. And it's only and the more I the more I see this um, idea that God isn't a healer, I just I get this um, this picture of someone in a boat, and even a small hole in a boat is going to cause it to sink. Correct, well. Only, only a crazy person would see their boat sinking and go, Well, I guess boats don't float on water. <laughs> I guess I find something else to float on the water. No, they would look at the situations around. Look at there's other boats floating. Maybe there's something wrong with my ship. Maybe I'm not dealing with something in my faith, right? So let's, let's go into this. Let's go, turn to um, Matthew chapter 13. I would never presume to say someone does not have faith. If you believe in God, you have faith in God. You are saved. You have faith of a mustard seed, and God says that you can do anything with that. But sometimes you can deflate that faith. You can deflate your progress with that if you don't work on that. If you don't build that and build that faith in yourself. So let's let's talk about um, let's talk about doubt and unbelief. All right, we're gonna do verse fifty-eight of Matthew thirteen. There it says. Now he did, he did not do many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. In the original, the, in the I think it's the King James. It says he could not do many mighty works. So that means God, the God of all everything, cannot do things for people when they are not hooked up with Him. If they're not, if people are not believing and obeying God, then He can. Do nothing for you. And I remember uh, a story like Brother Hagin taught this message, and he was at a church and he preached that very same thing. He said that very same message from this very scripture, and there's a guy probably in the front row somewhere over here. It's probably Pastor Dave right here. So he and he and this this dude goes, Well, sir, I believe that God can do just about anything he wants to. Brother Hagin goes, Yeah? Why doesn't he make you pay your tithes? This guy d- jumped behind his chair and hid the rest of that service. But, it was, it, but it's true. God cannot override us. He's not going to get in our lives and control us. We are not puppets. We are in a relationship with him, so he's not going to override our will. But he, So he wants us to get in line with him so he can work with us. So let's, tu- let's turn to... Um, Just go one chapter over. We're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 14. Verse 22. And recognize this guy. So, before we go into there, I'm thinking about um, where Jesus was in the last Scripture. He could do no great thing. He was in His hometown with His own people who knew Him since He was young. He was preaching, and they recognized Him as just a carpenter's boy. The gift of God was in him. But what they saw was a human being who had mistakes, who had flaws on him, but they didn't see what was inside of them. And this is the same thing we can do. We can get distracted by the things that we see, the things that we observe and not recognize. And I'm about to step on my own toes here, but like, we we like if we we as Christians who want to listen to ministers ought to not complain about some of the ministers that we don't like. I don't like the way he talks. He drives too expensive of a car. Ouch! It's, it, we're we're clouding ourselves to the gift that's already there, and God wants to get it to us. We can do that. So, let, okay, let's, I'll stop meddling. Let's go to um, ch- chapter uh, 14, verse 22. I'm going to read all the way down to 32. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary." Isn't it just the devil when Jesus tells His disciples to do something, immediately sends something get in the way? Wind and the waves. So when they're in the middle of the ocean, now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Now, I, I, some, some translations out there do say it's a spirit. That word for ghost and spirit is ghost. So, <laughs> so, it's not, there's just not some premature revelation, they're like, it's the Holy Spirit coming to us. No, they were freaked out, and rightly so, because, okay, it's not a normal thing to see a human being walking on water, all right? You guys would be saying some weird things as well, I'm sure. It's an alien. Chemtrails. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it, you'd be saying crazy stuff, too. But this is, this is evidence that these guys were human beings. They, they were seeing things. They were just like us, right? They were about, and they're about to embark on something that's very different than what a human being is capable of. Um, oh, and I lost my page. Let's do that. All right. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I... Do not be afraid. I love that. And no matter what situation we are, no matter what mindset we are in, when Jesus shows up, He's always there to encourage us. I don't think there's a single example in the Bible where uh, Jesus comes, Oh, guess who's here? You're in trouble now. No, he's, He's always there going, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing right here. And Peter answered Him, and said, Lord, if it really is you, command me to come to you on the water. That's a pretty crazy, bold statement there. I don't even think Jesus gave any intention. But here's the thing. Peter, Peter along with the rest of the disciples, have been spending a lot of time with the Lord. And what their experience with him has been, whatever he tells me to do, I can do. And wherever he goes, I follow. So he got this this idea in himself, man, I think I can follow him out there. He got this idea from spending time, quality time with the Lord. So what did Jesus say? One word, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He stepped out in the supernatural. That is, that is more than, well, I think he's the only human being that has walked on water still yet. That's a big deal. But people get hung up on this next one. But like the thing is, Peter was able to walk on the water because he stepped out. He acted on God's word. So if you guys, all of us today, if we want to walk on top of the circumstances of our life, the things that we're dealing with, all we got to do is step out and act on God's word. Amen. What does he say to you? What does he say? Find a scripture that, you are, that, you, that, that zeroes in on something you're dealing with and walk in it. Start stepping in it and start gliding over your problems until you get to the, to, to the end result. But here's the deal. Peter did not get to the end, did he? we we see in the next scripture but when he saw when he saw that the wind was boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out saying lord save me and immediately jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him o oh, you of little faith why did you doubt and they got into the boat and the wind ceased to so Peter, Peter's goal, he set out. I don't think he set out to go sink in the water. At least that's not my intention. He, he, he looked like he wanted to go reach Jesus. But he didn't get there, did he? He, got, he didn't get there because he started considering the things around him. He got distracted from his purpose. See, doubt stole his blessing. We don't have to be there. And this is where people sit all the time. Where did Peter end up at the end of that? In the boat again. Why why are people frustrated about not being where they want to be? It's because they keep doubting the Lord. They step out in the boat, first step, and then right as they're on the water, they start looking around, everything else around them. They're not keeping their eyes on the Word of God. They're not keeping their eyes on Jesus. So let's look at, look at more. Let's look at more of this stuff. So let's go to Romans chapter 10 as we start, start talking about faith itself. When we, when we and let's, let's be clear too, as, as we step out in the Word, if we step out on the Word, and God gives us direction and we step on it, He gives us the ability to walk over the regular rules that the world sets. Je- I mean, Peter was defying the law of gravity, right? I mean, I don't think he's gonna be telling us to go fly, but um, but he might tell you, okay, you're dealing with a huge financial problem. Well, guess what? I will guard your heart and minds through my peace. You don't have to deal with the worry. You don't have to deal with the symptoms of a sickness or anything like that. You can glide over those issues until you reach that end goal, and that's the problem. That's the end. So. I, when I read this um, passage about um, Jesus talking to Peter, and obviously Pete, Jesus recognized Jesus, Jesus, uh, Peter did not get to the place he needed to be at because he rebuked him, right? And I always kind of, at first, get a little bit like caught back. I'm like, geez, Jesus, I thought you'd be a little bit more uh, glass half full, especially considering all the water everywhere. <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, could you give him a break? I mean, at least he walked on water. Can you have a little compassion? But you know what? God's not, in, not engaged. He's not interested in having compassion for us to destruction. He wants us to get to the end goal. He wants us to get there. So he's going to help us there. He's going to keep getting us there until we get that doubt out. Doubt out of our lives so we can get there. So let's, okay, so we're going, where, where are we at? Did I already say the scripture? Romans. Romans chapter 10. We're doing Romans 10:17. All right. I'm going to read here. Sorry. Sorry, new Bible guys. All right. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing in this scripture, I mean, if you've been at this church long enough, you should be able to read this scripture in your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's great. It's great. But hearing here is a constant, continual hearing. We're not sitting. You guys are going to come here, and then after the message, after the scripture has been read, you're going to go home and forget everything. That's not hearing the word of God. That is listening to the word of God. Hearing is when I am not in front of it reading. When I'm not in front of it, listening to it, I'm thinking about it. I'm stirring it in my mind. I'm letting it fill my inward person. And then, as I'm doing this, the Word is going to bring revelation to my life. He's going to lead me on how I should walk. Because let's let's look at Peter again. He didn't actually need to wait for God to tell him, hey, you need to ask me to come. He just said, hey, Jesus, if that's you... (laughs) Tell me to come. That did not come from just some random scripture. The Lord revealed that to him, just like how he's going to reveal that to you. If you guys need something from him, get in the word. Hear it. Get it over and over and over again, and he's going to reveal how you're supposed to walk it out, how you're supposed to confess it, how you're supposed to walk it out. Um, So if if I read, By his stripes I was healed, I can realize that I can believe God to heal my cancer, or say say the scripture, I, he can provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. If I get that in me, then I can get this realization that, oh, I can trust God for my rent. I can trust God for my mortgage. I can trust God for my college tuition. But that only comes as you, as you keep it in your heart. You keep meditating on it. We realize God's word reveals what we can trust him to do. Notice, though, though how faith... In the Scripture says faith comes. That sounds like a start. It means there's another step. There's more to come. So let's talk more about that. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. The sower sows the Word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the Word that was sown. So, we, in this scripture, the sower sows the word. Jesus is the one sowing the word in our hearts as we meditate on it. But the strange thing here is it says that it looks like Satan is the one responsible for taking the word. Satan's the one responsible for us losing in this situation. He's the winner. And I want to point this out too. The, the soil is us, and the conditions that we put ourselves in, the people we're around, and the environment we are in, that's going to determine how well the, the seed's going to grow as well. But here, this is interesting. So Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in our hearts. So You, you can get that impression, but that's, that doesn't seem right. Because didn't Jesus defeat the enemy? Didn't he die Rise again and, you know, strip the enemy of all his power? Isn't he a defeated foe? So why is he stealing the word? Well, this comes out better if we understand what the word takes away is. The word takes away, bear with me, for this, um, where did I put it? I don't remember where I put it. Oh, there we go. Here we go. A I R W is the word awiro. <laughs> That's what it means. That's the word. But this is what it means. Listen, listen up to this, though. This is what it means. I'm glad you're doing it. <laughs> to lift up one's head. To raise the voice. To keep your mind in suspense. To sail away, or weigh anchor, or to make To doubt. So essentially, what the enemy is doing is I'm focusing on the word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your healing. Thank you, Father, for your provision. Oh, what's that? He's lifting my head. He's distracting me. So when I'm going, thank you, Father, you're... By your stripes I was healed, Lord. I thank you, Father. 2,000 years ago, you did die on the cross for my sins and my sicknesses. Lord, oh gosh. My doctor's report. That doesn't look good. What am I going to do? And now? But so we, walk, we put it down and walk away. So we realize the enemy really doesn't have the ability to steal a word. We relinquish it to him. We get distracted from his promises and let it go. And now he has full reign to do whatever he wants with it. He has full reign to come into our lives and cause all sorts of havoc. You see, Satan is only capable of distracting us and He's he's pretty good at it. (laughs) Throwing things like a bunch of noise, all with the purpose of lifting our eyes from God's promises. So essentially, I'm just calling us. Essentially, I'm telling us we're we're kind of hay squirreling it, you know. (gasps) 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 (laughs) 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 Did Mark just call you a dog? Kinda, but <laughs> but dogs are great. But dogs are great. Hey, let's be fair though. The Samaritan woman was called a little dog, and she had great faith. So maybe that's a good thing. A, no, we're not. We are. We are definitely more than that, guys. But see what? See with this definition, we can see that it isn't Satan, but it's us. If we're, if we, so. We are focused until life gets challenging and chaotic. And then we leave it behind for the distractions. We force the word to the wayside of our lives. So we see that our focus determines how far our faith is going to go. Peter lasted quite a while, I would assume, because he was within reaching distance of Jesus, but he still didn't quite make it. He still did not last the endurance race with the Lord. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4 as we talk about this. I'm going to start in verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So how can we stay focused? Give the Word our undivided attention. So how do I do this? It says that I need to meditate on the Word with the purpose of getting it in my heart. In other words, I need, to get it, I need to focus on the Word until it becomes my identity. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked about the, our heart is where we get our identity in Christ, mm-hmm. according to Romans. So we need to dwell on it. And this is not a, a memorization. This is not an academic study of the Word of God that's not going to do you any good. That's not hearing the Word of God. That's, once again, listening to the Word of God. You had, you've had kids listen to you and, you know, like, n- listen. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it obviously goes in one ear and out the other. That is not what the Lord wants. He wants it to get in us. It wants to, he wants the Word to become us, become a part of us. But why, why is it so important to get the Word of God in our hearts? Well, that's what my script... Let's find out, because that's what my notes say. <laughs> so, so... Verse 22, For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The word issues is the word boundaries. God wants to give us His boundaries, not our own. So when I'm looking at my life and I'm like, you're... Your family lineage—you're probably going to deal with this sickness because that's what your genealogy says. You know your education is this—is just this, so you're probably not going to get the job you want. Oh, that promotion—someone else is probably going to get it because you're not qualified. Your financial situation is definitely not going to get you to the college you need to or the house you want. But God—the more time you spend time in His Word, the more time you get it in your heart the more he does this to the boundaries of our life. Oh. Oh, 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 I see. Okay, your, your money is what I'm going on. Your health, your prosperity, everything that he has is ours. But that, we're going to stay here even if we're a Christian. We're going to stay here even if I, am, I belong to the family of God. Because I'm not going to access. I'm not going to know how to access it. God builds that in us. He gives us that access as we keep meditating on His Word. He wants us to get there. So let's, this, let's go further in this Scripture because it's going to get real. So, so, verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and per, put perverse lips from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right in front of you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your feet from evil. Evil sin. I'm not yes, we need to, we need to remove ourselves in our words, in our minds, in our actions, from the things that are not told by us by the Word of God that we should be a part of. But I'm not just talking about things you can you think of as sinful. Swearing or looking at things on the internet you're not supposed to. I'm also talking about, um, if you're dealing with sickness, get off WebMD. I'm telling you to stop, while you're dealing with this, don't talk to that family member that's always worrying and getting you worried. Because you realize that the people around you, the environment you put yourselves into, is going to infect you. So instead, why don't we get ourselves around people that are believers? That are people that will give us the word that will trust that we trust to build us up in the word, so that when we do get to these positions where we're, we're given the decision to doubt, we keep our eyes fixed. We don't start looking to the left or the right. Mm. There was um, when it comes to our words, it is important. I was I was thinking about um, Brother Hagen, again. He had a situation where he was praying for someone who had um, tuberculosis of the spine. It would, uh, it's tuberculosis that's spread into the spine and it's caused like a sclerosis that you're stuck in this position. Like you can't bend over or anything. So this man comes up to get healed and Brother Hagen gives him the scriptures, shows him what he needs to believe on and when he prays for them, he says, I want you to try to stand up. Yeah, I go. Oh, it doesn't move. All right, let's pray for him again. We should try to stand up. Try. Try. That's not faith. Faith says do. There is no try. That sounds like a Yoda quote. <laughs> we, we have faith when the Lord tells us to do something we don't try it Peter didn't try to get out of the boat he stepped out he got out of the boat get our, get our, get our mind get our words and our actions in line with the word of God it comes to, we need to have this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faith where it's really just God in our situation, it is only Him. Well, let's, let's, before we go, let's, let's go to uh, James chapter 1. Verse 6. God is showing us how to avoid the trap of doubt. All right, I'm going to start in verse 6. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let no, this part always gets me, for let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So I'm going to talk about a few words in this. So that word doubt. This is an easier word to pronounce, (laughs) diachrono. It means to separate, be partial, or to hesitate. It was a word used to describe people on a journey, or going from one place to another, and while they're moving, while they're going, they are presented with a fork in the road, and they consider which direction to go. That's what doubt is. According to this word of God, it's not I chose the wrong direction. It's chose, it means I was wondering which direction to go. It shows us that faith is a confidence in knowing where to go. But if we're not confident without a shadow of a doubt, then we're in doubt. That means God's word's got to be plan A in our lives and probably not anything else. We go to the doctor and thank him for their work, for their diagnosis, you get everything, but you trust God for the healing while you're there. It's, it's a plan A situation. God says you cannot expect to receive anything from him if you're not doing this. Faith only works without a plan B. He's, got, he's my plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, F, J, L, M, P all the way to the end he is the re- he is it we do everything we need to do in the natural and trust god to do his side right we went to the doctor i'm not telling you guys to just ignore sound sound wisdom but what you should do is trust god 100% of the time through all of it as the option all right let's let us i am going to share one more scripture with you guys um, Second Kings. Ooh, I'm gonna come down right on the wire. Woo! You guys getting some out of this? Yeah. Good. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'm getting something too. You know, I'm just gonna read from here. All right. I will start reading. And so we're in Second Kings chapter four, starting in verse eight. <clears throat> before I start reading, I want to. This is going to be a picture of who we are as Christians walking with the Lord in our walk of faith. Elisha is is a reflection of who Jesus is to us, and the woman is who we are in our walk with Christ. And before this all shows up. Um, Elisha has been was ministering to this woman, and Elisha told the woman, Hey, the Lord told you, even though you're old, you're gonna have a kid. The woman goes, No, I'm not, he says, Too bad. And then she ends up having a kid. <laughs> as as it should be in the word of God. That's kind of how it works there. But but so as so this is what this is a backstory behind what's going on, alright? So let's go. In verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as it passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passed by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there. And a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, so it will be, Whenever he comes, he can turn in. This woman was not notable because she was someone special. She was not notable because some miracle happened to her yet. She wasn't notable because um, some tragedy happened to her. She was notable because of how she took care of Elisha. Opened a home. Opened her home to him. And this is supposed to reflect how we're supposed to be with the Lord. We should, we should allow the Lord in our hearts openly. He should have a home where he can come in and out. He needs to have a house, not a hotel. Because what, what's notable about this is before anything happened to her, she was allowing the man of God in. That's what we need to be at. We need to be able to allow the word in our lives before we run into the problems. Because otherwise we're not going to have space. We're going to be filling it with other things. So let's continue. Um, 17. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to skip to 17. But the woman conceived, we talked about the, the, the son that I talked about earlier, and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisa had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to the servant, carry him to his mother. When he, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up to him, laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, went out. Then she called on her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God to come back. That would be hard. I guarantee there's emotions going on. I guarantee thoughts are thro- f- flying into her head. Her son died on her knees. But the first thing she thinks to do is find the man of God. She doesn't even think about funeral arrangements. No burials. That sounds like she has. She believes that the man of God, through God, is able to raise her son up. She's, has, she's, she's starting up in faith, guys. This looks like the beginning of something. Um, let's go to, to uh, verse 25. And so she departed and went to the man of God at, the, at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, it is, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. Sounds like her confession is in line with what she's believing right here. Because yeah. things are not well in the natural. Son's dead. But she's not letting that go. And this is, this is more evidence that she is going, I have only one answer. And I'm not bearing my kid. There's no plan B here. I'm going to the man of God. So, let's go to, let's go to verse 28. <clears throat> so she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord... Did I not say, "Do not deceive me"? Then he said to Gehazi, "Get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child." This this uh, this commandment, or this this command that Elisha gave, reminds me of like. So I'm a fairly friendly person. All right, I think some of you guys like me. But but when I'm at the gym where I'm working out where I'm running, I have a little different attitude. I like I'm I've I've got a game plan and I kinda focus. So I'm not too personable. I don't like so like when I'm running, I get thoughts like please don't talk to me, think I'm gone. No, no, no. no." (laughs) That type of stuff. And this is what I'm imagining that Elisha's saying. No, when you're when you are running back, you're on a mission. I don't want any I don't want any delays. I don't want you talking talk to anyone you know. I don't want you to, to get delayed at all. I want you to focus on where you're going. Because you need to get there. So, and this is, this is, this is honest because good intentional people can end, you up, end up in destruction. What, what could be one person on the way there, hey, what are you up to? Oh, I'm going to lay this staff on a dead kid. What do you think people are going to say? Uh, what? What do you think it's going to do? Raise the kid up? Good luck with that. What is that going to sow? Seeds of doubt. Keep the distractions out. Focus on where you're going. Get to that destination. So let's read, let's read further. Um, verse 30. And the mother said to the child, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. That's a good word right there. Jesus is not going to leave you along that path. He's going to be with you the whole way. So when Elijah came into the house, there was a child. This is verse 32. Sorry, I jumped ahead. When Elijah came into the house, there was a child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord and said to Gehazi... and, And he said to Gehazi... Oh, whoops. I skipped ahead again. So... So he shut the door behind the two. Let's go to verse 36. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. And she picked up her son and went out. The faith of this Shunammite woman raised her son from the dead. Yes, it was Elisha at the hand, but if this woman had not stuck to it the whole way around, her son would probably be in a grave. But it's because she first kept her focus on the word and opened up her heart or her home to the man of God. We open up our hearts to the Lord. to seek, seek him out first when something goes wrong. Go straight to the word. And then come back with an answer without w- avoiding all distractions. This is this is how we avoid doubt on the way to our answer. She made it to the finish line. We all need to make it to the finish line. We need to stop. We we need to be be done with this. Faith isn't for now because God didn't heal me then. No, God is a healer now. So we need to get to the end of where we need to be. Is it if it takes two months? If it takes two years? Whatever it needs to be, God's timetable is always perfect. He's going to get us there. We just need to trust Him. But that only comes with spending time with Him. Get in the Word. Get His heart on your heart. Write it there. So that when, when something hits you, you know exactly where to go. Like the analogy of a sponge being squeezed. Get Him in you so that all that comes out when you're squeezed is Him. Amen.